Stories. Everybody's got them, and we can learn from each other. History can be traced through letters and writings, but the one thing that has remained throughout the generations is the oral tradition. Oral history is one attempt to pass along the stories, tales, musings, and remembrances of one family for the benefit of listeners for generations to come. Join us now for this episode of Oral History with Jeff Zilkowski. We are at episode 12, a a full dozen episodes, and we're actually in part three of the adoption years and the story of our bringing home our sweet little girl, Alexa Joy Ligaya Zilkowski. And we left off last time with where we were on Christmas Eve. We had met the birth family. We had met Crystal. We had met Grandma. Riss and the girls had kind of gotten together, and I had spent some time away from them to give them a little bit of space to kind of talk, and Crystal was much more talkative when I wasn't around. So we get to Christmas Eve. Now, in Ohio, the law states that a birth mom cannot sign the surrender papers until 72 hours after the child is born. So Alexa was was born on the 21st at about 8.30, so it was gonna be Christmas Eve at about 8.30. Well, by 4.30 that afternoon, Crystal had needed to get out of the hospital. She wanted to be discharged. She wanted to go home and get Christmas ready for her three other kids. And Grandma Cheryl had left, and now it's 4.30 and Crystal is gone and we're alone with our baby, Alexa, kind of waiting for 8.30 or sometime thereafter to kind of roll around. So I'll let Riss pick up the story here. Well, um, the social worker had said she would go wherever she needed to to bring the paperwork. So they decided that um, the girls were going to be, they were all going to be at Grandma Cheryl's house. So... She said, great, I'll meet you there at 8.30 and we'll do this. So Jeff and I are now, we had, I've been spending most of the time in Crystal's room, but since she was discharged, we uh, went to the nursery and all the nurses were great. I have to do a shout out for OSU Medical Center. They are um, very adoption friendly and they were just wonderful to us. Uh, they gave us a little, there was a, like half the nursery, there was an area where there weren't any babies in there, but they had, I don't know, places they could store stuff. They had a couple chairs. There was a rocking chair. Um, That's where we spent the next four hours or so, four or five hours. And we talked a little bit, I remember, but they just let us keep Alexa with us. Um, But there was that thing that we didn't even talk about that what do we do if Crystal changes her mind and doesn't sign the paperwork? We we didn't even talk about it. <laughs> we could, there were long I'm, pregnant pauses oh, in our time together. Totally where we just silent in there. We just finally couldn't even talk. And at one point, I remember one of the nurses, Jeff was holding Alexa, and I was sitting there staring and she asked me if I was okay, and she put her hand on my shoulder, and I started to cry and said, I just want my mom. And so she gave me a tissue, blow my nose, and a glass of water, and I was better. But, you know, it was there was just so much emotion there. And I know I did a lot of praying 
and I'm pretty sure Jeff did too at f- during that time and um so you know the time just goes and the clock with hands were going so slowly and but I knew it was past time that they were meeting and just didn't know how long it was going to take and I don't even know what time it was but I heard a door open and then I heard heels clicking on the floor and nurses don't wear heels so I knew it was probably the social worker so we I turned around and looked and she had a big huge smile on her face and she held up the paperwork and she said congratulations your parents and I immediately went into mama bear mode and said okay get these things off my baby we're going home you should have seen it. I mean, uh, I watched a transformation happen in a matter of a millisecond, and my wife was ready to be a mom in a heartbeat. It was agonizing. Yeah. Those those few hours were agonizing. I can't describe it for anyone. Um, I, I think because of my background, I think like a filmmaker, and I could tell you that I watched that clock tick one second about every 10 and you could just hear it echoing and, and the clock in the room. And again, we just couldn't speak. We just, there was nothing to be said. And there um, was nothing for us to do. Yeah. We just had to wait. Um, but, you know, so all was well. We, um, they took, you know, the tags off for, tags off for, yeah. basically, yeah. So you can't leave without, with somebody who's not yours and um, got her dressed and ready to go. And um, then they had to walk us down. So they put her in a little rolling thing. And so we walked down and by now it's what, 1030 at night, yeah. 10, 10 o'clock Christmas at night. Eve. Christmas Snow Eve. Snow lightly There's falling. No, nobody there. It was freezing it was so frigid outside jeff went to get the car and whoever had walked us down and ate or somebody said well congratulations good night and we're like okay (laughs) nobody checked the car seat like nobody cared at this point you know it was christmas eve it was dark it was freezing cold they were done so they were done so jeff had gotten the car to warm it up and so he comes in a helper out thank goodness we had a blanket we could put on her because I didn't have a snowsuit when you're not supposed to put one on them. And so I'm trying. So Jeff, I think for some reason, maybe he tried first to get the car seat in. And he was. I had no idea what I was doing. I was I've not like, done okay, this. Come here, let's trade me. So we traded and he sat in the, in the front seat with the heat on. And I'm like wrestling with this stupid car seat in the back seat going, I can't believe they just let us walk out with her. Like, they don't know who we are. When you when you when you buy a car seat or when you get a car seat, the straps are tight against the back. Oh, gosh, just... And we should have probably tested this and figured out how to release the straps and all of that, but we hadn't. Well, because again, we told, were operating oh, on half a brain. Yeah, and they're gonna tell you they're gonna make you take it out anyway. So just let they'll help you do it. It'll be fine. Okay. So it cared, was so. a struggle just to get her into the car seat. And then once we got her in, it was our families in the car, and now we've got a two-hour drive home from central Ohio to Cleveland. And again, it's light snow falling. It's dark. It's Christmas Eve. Nobody's on the road. But I kid you not, I 
have never driven more petrified in my entire life. I'd never had more precious cargo in the car than I did when I had my little girl in the car for the first time. So I was going 51 miles an hour the whole way. Well, and just, he kind of drives like a grandpa anyway, but he was driving extra. Like I was driving. I was very much driving like a grandpa. I was on high <laughs> alert. Anybody came close to us, I was on high alert. And so we... I was in the back seat making phone calls and, saying, hey, we're here. We're on our way. And... um I remember sitting there too and in between phone calls or something and it just hit me again. I'm like, honey, we have a baby in the car. <laughs> like they, we have a baby. What? I didn't, yeah. And so all this time I'm thinking, oh, I had also, the nurses, they give you a little pack of, you know, you got some diapers, a little pack of wipes and um, they gave they gave me a few uh, things of formula, just little two ounce bottles of formula. They they come in little four packs, and um, but I asked the nurse, I'm like, is there any way that you can give me another one? Because I got to get through Christmas Christmas Day, because you know nothing is open on Christmas Day, everything's closed. And I said, I don't think four is going to be enough for the next twenty four hours. So she smuggled me another set, and I'm just thinking, okay, I'm mentally making a list of all the things I'm going to have to get the day after Christmas when every there's the rush of everybody returning everything and going for sales. And I'm thinking diapers and wipes this is gonna and be all fun. of these. You know, things. I mean, we didn't we didn't have we had a onesie. Yeah. And the outfit that Grandma Cheryl had brought us. Now you and have that to, was it. Maybe one other that I, she brought us. I know where Riss is heading, but but I, before we get there, I also want to mention that I was on staff at Cuyahoga Valley Church, and Riss was supposed to sing on Christmas Eve, and they have an 11 o'clock service. So they oh, were definitely. celebrating with us. We had we had texted them a, a photograph of us with the baby, and in the middle of the eleven o'clock service at Cuyahoga Valley Church on Christmas Eve, they unveiled the fact that we were bringing home Alexa Joy and, and just celebrated. And, yeah. It was amazing. That was really and cool. So we drive home, and I had the privilege of being the one when we pulled up to the house and parked to carry the baby in, and I got to put my daughter in the arms of her grandfather and that was a very very special moment for me just after he's, midnight on he, christmas morning he is uh he is her namesake and it was a very special moment for me to be able to hand him his baby girl and we were tired we were exhausted we didn't know how we were going to make it through the next day or so but we were determined to love and care for this child now i'll let Riss pick up on why she mentioned some of the things she mentioned about needing things well yeah because i was we actually when we were in columbus a friend had called me and said gina hart if you're listening gina this is your shout out she called me at one point and she said do you trust me? She said, Janet told me that you guys were doing this. And I said, no, that's fine. And she said, do you trust me to pick out bedding? Because Jan said, we they don't have anything. And I said, oh, absolutely, I do. And she goes, oh, good, because it's in the trunk of my car already. <laughs> I go, okay, can't wait to see it. So we walk in and, you know, we had given Grandpa Alexa and he was just completely enamored and she woke up and she was I have a picture of them 
looking at each other for the first time and it's just precious. She's just staring at him like, I, hi, you know, how are you doing? And uh, he kind of looked like Santa Claus. He does. But I also was like, honey, I I think I smell paint. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> I do too. And um, so we come upstairs to Alexa's room and Janet and Gina and a couple other elves, Diane Lears. Elena Gulsh. And Elena Gulsh, I think, were the only ones. They had come and they had painted the ceiling in her nursery pink, very pale pink. And you have to understand it's in an old, we're in the second floor of a bungalow. And this room has very odd shaped ceilings. It's just, they're kind of weird. They come down low on one side and high on the other. So, and it's um, knotty pine paneling. So the paneling would have been really a pain to paint, but the ceiling, heck yeah, they could do that. So the <laughs> the ceiling was pale pink. Um, the, the crib, which D Jeff had set up, it was decked out in pink and lavender butterfly, everything. It was just beautiful. And, you know, a little lamp and there were, there were clothes, they were washed and folded and there, we had the not, dress and everything. Not, not a couple of outfits. No. Elena, no, we're talking. I think Elena kind 20 of. 20 outfits probably. You know, bought out Kohl's or something, but they, so they'd wash them all and they put them away and it was just, there were, cur you know, curtains, purple curtains on the thing. And under the Christmas tree then too, I realized we went out and saw the Christmas tree. There were, there was a bathtub. I, I can't even tell you. There were presents that we had not put there for Eliza under the tree. Um, keepsake ornaments from several different people. I remember a bathtub, washcloth, the whole baby bath stuff. But then on our table. Which we had walked past and oh, really not paid past any attention to. I turn around and I go, oh my gosh, bottles and bottles of pre-made formula um and also cans of powdered formula diapers wipe we i honestly did not have we didn't have to buy our own diapers until she was about five months old um but we were just blessed beyond anything i could have imagined we came home there was nothing that we needed and the next day gina and her then husband Cito made us an entire Christmas dinner, spiralized ham and baked potatoes, not baked potatoes, mashed potatoes. It was amazing. A feast yes. the next day. And we wanted for nothing no, those days. Nothing but at it all. was just but it was funny because we the paint smell was so much we could we had to sleep down in the guest room for about three days because <laughs> the paint smell. I was like it kind of bugs me, but I'm like, I don't know if it's bad for the baby. But I, it took me a while to come down enough to even be able to sleep, I think. So we just took her bassinet down to the guest room. And so we all were right next to where Grandpa was anyway, which is fine with him. Um, and yeah, that first night was, I don't know. I kept, you know, waking up to check and make sure she was breathing. But um, And we've told this story a number of times. We've told it to people in its entirety, you've heard it kind of serialized a little bit, but we've often said that this is something, if we had taken this story to the Hallmark Movie Channel and presented it as a script, they would have looked at it and said, 
no, nobody is going to buy this. No, no one's going to believe that this is true, but it is. It's our life. Christmas Eve of 2010, we walked through the door just a few minutes after midnight and put our adopted daughter's life in the hands of her namesake. And we celebrated and just were loved on beyond anything that we could ever have ex expected or imagined. The people that were around us were loving us from from the CVC service to the people who, who participated in just decking our house out. It was uh, amazing. It was beyond anything that we had ever expected. And they made, somebody had, somebody set up a meal train for us as well. And I think we had meals for two months <laughs> because yeah. everybody wanted to come see the princess and um, she got handed around quite a bit, but she, she was always a pretty good sport. But then when she was um, people at church, obviously at CBC, they wanted to throw us a, a baby shower at one point, you know, when they knew we were going to adopt. And, and I said, well, I, you know, I, I really appreciate it. I just, I just don't know if it would be better to wait until we have the baby because we didn't know if we were going to get a boy or a girl or, you know, what kind of formula they would eat or, you know, if then. So when she was three months old, they threw us a, um, a baby shower, which was great because she got to meet anybody who hadn't already met her. And again, that's, that's why we didn't have to buy diapers forever. But, you know, it was really, it was really helpful. It was just, we were so loved on. We were so blessed by the family here at, in in Ohio. And I know my mom had always said she was so thankful and never worried about me, never worried about us because she knew that our church family was there for us. And um, speaking of my family, it was great because, um, you know, like we were planning, of course, to go visit my family right after Christmas. And I wasn't sure at that point. I was kind of like, are we legally allowed to take her across straight lines? I'm not really, I'm not really sure because my family lives in Indiana. And, uh, but everybody was going to be home for Christmas. Both of my sister, I think at that point. Yes, your Deborah sister Deborah was in California. Deborah and Jeff, her husband Jeff lived in California with their son. But everybody was going to be in Indiana and we're going to come visit my parents. So I talked to Jeff and I talked to my mom and I was like, all right, we're going to go. We're not going to stay for a week like we were going to, but we'll stay for like three days or something. So we didn't ask permission. We just went, but it was great because my nieces and everybody, my sisters, their families, everybody got to meet her. Um, and she was not uh, like a week old. Um, by the time we got there, I think ish anyway but it was just could have been orchestrated better if we planned it that she got to meet her family we got pictures we got it was just amazing so we get home and now we're settling into life as a family i have some time off i have some paternity time from cuyahoga valley church and so we're settling into this but baby fog is a real thing parents know what this is it's it's just you're you're running on empty and the now wrist will tell you that many times i would wake up in the morning and go wow she slept through the night and larissa's answer would be no 
Can can you okay, any mom who's done this, can you imagine the look that I came in? <laughs> Bleary eyed, dark circles under my eyes. No, she was up twice. You didn't hear us. We I she slept in her room, but our room was right next to it, but I would hear her, so I would get up and I'd put the bottle in the bottle warmer, start that, come get her. Best invention ever, to, by the way. It really was. Krista Krista Hilton, you were right. It was the absolute perfect thing. It could hold two bottles. Kept them cold. Kept them cold. And then you had two little things of water that you measured. And you poured one in, put the bottle in, put the top on, and pushed the button. And it steamed it warm. It was amazing. And um, I would go get her. I would bring her in. I would change her diaper. I would go sit on the bed right next to Jeff and feed her. And then I would sit her up and I would burp her. And she's always been a champion burper. And then I would go and lay her back down to go to bed. And then I'd come back to bed. I'd do that twice every night. And I would miss it and all. And he, he did not wake up. And... I just, I always thought that was so funny. I'm like, oh my gosh, no, she hasn't slept through the night yet. <laughs> she but, was, ne- she never did very well, but she but would always go right back to sleep. But despite my obliviously <laughs> obliviousness, there was a certain amount of of baby fog, and one situation in particular, we had. You know, you have to understand that when you adopt. The first six months, the child is actually a ward of the the adoption agency. So the agency has custody, legal custody, and we are basically technically sort of foster parents parents. in a way. But it's not until that six month where you go to probate court and you're given it's called your forever day. And so we had a lot of things that we had to accomplish. We had we had visits by our social worker once a month we had uh doctor's visits that we had to do and one doctor visit in particular we took the baby to her pediatrician i think maybe the first week that we had her oh she, yeah she had to go we first week two weeks three weeks then four weeks then monthly then yeah it and, was a lot. And so we, we go to a doctor's visit and we come out of the doctor's visit and I realized that I had some blood work that I needed to have drawn oh, for gosh. my physical, which was coming up. And I hadn't eaten anything. We were, again, in baby fog. And so I said, let me go get my blood drawn and then we'll go get something to eat. So I, I get my blood drawn. I've got the little gauze and wad around my left elbow and we get back in the car and we drive across the street from Cleveland Clinic and go to Bob Evans and I get wrists sat down with the baby. They put the baby car seat into this little sling and I needed to go use the restroom, wash my hands. So I go use the restroom and while I'm in the restroom and I've taken my coat off, I'm looking down at my left arm and I'm looking at this wad of gauze on my elbow. And I come out and I'm walking across the restaurant giggling to myself and Riss sees me about 20 feet away and she's like, what are you laughing about? And I looked down at my arm and I said, if anybody asks me, I'm going to go um, paternity test. Hello. Because, you know, you know, we have this little African-American baby and my wife and I are both I was white. sobbing, laughing so hard. It was, it, it, for us, it was one of the funniest, just kind of tension we were, breakers. We were so tired. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it was very funny. I was like, um, yeah, poor guy. <clears throat> but yeah, there were lots of just getting used to things and having this little tiny person that you're in, responsible for. And of course, I always felt like something always happened before our social worker would come. Chris, if you're out there listening, I know we're Facebook friends, but um, she she will attest. Like I, I was one time I was trimming Lexa's nails and I just snipped the very tip of her thumb. Well, and there are lots of capillaries in your thumb. So it's bleeding. She's crying. I'm crying harder than she's crying. I'm like, she's <laughs> the social worker's going to come and go, what are you doing to this child? And I think one time she fell and bumped her, bumped her ear and like split open a little spot on her ear. And, you know, of course, Chris was coming the next day and I'm like, oh, my gosh. But she just laughed it off. And yeah. I think we have the still have the longest um time like i don't know takes us took us three hours to meet with her one time she's like you guys were <laughs> take it was the just so to... much fun i mean she was she we it was just like having like she was there to do a job but it was like having a friend come over and visit and we just enjoyed the time that we had to spend with her it was so it was just fun all the way well, through made it fun because it's not for the faint of heart you know there's lots of paperwork and stuff so as we moved through that first six months of our life with Alexa, through all of these home visits and all of these doctor visits, we kind of came to the six-month mark. And as we mentioned before, we have this beautiful forever day. It's a day where uh, the judge in particular finally gets to do something he really wants to do in probate court. Mostly it's all kinds of things he doesn't want to do. But in this case, he gets to seal a family together through the legal system. And I'll let Riss tell you a little bit more about that. Yeah, our our date was June 28th, 2011. And we had to go down to Columbus, to Franklin County, because that's where the agency was to to finalize all of this. And they, so we had our social worker came there and there was the lawyer that we had been working with. And um, grandpa was with us. Grandpa came with us. And Alexa was wearing an outfit that my mom had sewn for her. And it was just really great. Like Jeff said, the the judge loves to do this, but he says, you guys are really great at what you do. So the lawyer would, you know, ask questions and the social worker would answer them and he officiated. And at the end of it, he, he said, does anybody, oh yeah, I think I remember him. He asked grandpa if he thought it was all good. And oh yeah. Grandpa's like, yep, it's all good. <laughs> so, uh, he pronounced us. You know, Alexa, officially, our family, we got to say, yes, we understand that we are legally responsible for this child until she's 18 years old. And, um, yeah, he pronounced us a family and we... He was going to hit the table with his gavel and realized he had forgotten, forgotten his, gavel. his gavel. That's so right. So he slammed his stapler down <laughs> and pronounced stapler. us a family. And it was and it was beautiful. And we, and we a, took pictures yeah. together. Yep. I mean, it was just, it's, it's what you're promised. If we, if you go back two episodes, one of the things that we were told by our agency is 
at the end of all of this, no matter how difficult it might be, or how no matter long it will take. no matter no matter how hard some of the paperwork might be, no matter how difficult answering some of the questions might be, no matter how many times you might have a failed placement, at the end of it all, you will have a baby. Mm-hmm. And on June 28th of 2011, and that stapler hitting that counter, Alexa was ours yep. for to steward for the rest of her childhood for and, and to lead her into adulthood. And we're so privileged. We're yeah. so grateful. We're so grateful for Crystal having the the, the just cr- the strength mm-hmm. and the wisdom and the courage and the courage to say, I can't do this. I need you. I but I can do this for someone, and we can, and I can do this for you. I'm so grateful for Grandma Cheryl, saying, in a question that was asked of her by by Crystal, "Are you still wanting to do this?" For her to say yes, and for our family to grow into this beautiful multicultural thing that it is, with aunts and uncles and and grandparents, just beautiful people that love us and love Alexa and this family this church family that just loved us through everything through difficulties and through hard times and through tears and through this amazing joy that we had bringing Alexa home and I don't know what else to say I do you... I don't think there is anything else to say it's just it it's just been an amazing journey and it just shows you how good God is um, that he he's been with us all the way and he's blessed us so much like Jeff said we have an extended family in Columbus that that we love and though you know legally Alexa has our name there's they're her family and um, we love them and we are so grateful for them and we don't take for granted how wonderful it is to have that kind of a relationship and to have that open adoption and just to be able to go through Alexa's life together with them well and for her sake too yeah to know who who she comes from and to know who she looks like and to be able to sometimes go and spend time there and not stand out she just because she looks like everybody else because I know that's difficult for her sometimes. It's not something we dwell on, but especially when she meets new kids and they look at her funny when she introduces me as her mom. And, you know, then we have to talk about the adoption and blah, blah. When that's not something that we think about during the day to day, I'm her mom. You know, she calls Crystal mommy, but. It doesn't bother me. She is. She's her birth mom. Right. But it doesn't bother me. It has nothing to do with me. It's everything about helping Alexa make sense of her world. And I, and I hope that we're doing it justice. And, and, um, I just, we, I always tell her, I just, no matter what, honey, I love you. And, and I know it can be difficult. And I'm so glad that you have your birth family in your life because I don't know what it's like to be an African-American woman in this world, but you have strong women you can talk to who can 
tell you what that's like and help you understand your culture and your family history. And I'm, I'm grateful. I'm not threatened at all. And neither of us are. We're, we're, we consider them family and they consider us family. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, but. Well, and we're mom and dad and I am, you can't, I can't even express how privileged I am to be called some little girl's dad. It just, it's amazing to me. Like it's all, it's one of the things that I wanted. It's one of the things Larissa wanted for our entire lives. And if you go all the way back into our, our, the Zilkowski years, you'll know that we felt like we had done everything right and we couldn't have a child naturally. But through this gift that Crystal gave us, and more importantly, that God gave us, we were able to have a family, and that family is us. And we're, we're, we're Polish-American, African-American mixed family that... <laughs> With just, some German in there. With and... some German and Welsh and other things. <laughs> and But it's just who God created our family to be. And as we close out this episode, we, we want to talk about that issue of family. Families look different. Every family looks different. Um, we have wonderful friends that are single parents. We have uh, wonderful friends that are raising children together and just... It's very different, but we love the fact that God put us together the way he did. He did not make a mistake, and he did not make a mistake with you and with your family. And I know sometimes it might feel that way. Sometimes when you go through the really, really hard times, it feels like it could have been different, but God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for you and your family right where you're at. Um, it's to carry the hope of the gospel into the lives of the people that you'll meet. And you'll only meet people that you'll meet. I, I could never share the gospel with people in your life because they're your friends and they're the people that you're going to run into and develop relationships with. So the hope for us, the hope for my entire family, is that first of all, that you would know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior not just savior, not just fire insurance, but that you would know him as Lord and that you would surrender your entire life and your family to him and to the will that he has for you because his will is perfect and his will is good and his, and his, and his plan for you is good. So as we pray together, I just want to remind you that there is a purpose to the way your family has been knit together. So take that understand what it is in God's sight and use it to bring glory and honor to him and to share the gospel with people. So let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful. We're so grateful for this story, this adoption story that started with infertility and pain and difficulty and paperwork and fingerprinting, and it ended on this beautiful day in 2011 with this forever day of us being Alexis parents forever and ever. And Lord, we're so grateful for all the highs, all the lows, everything you took us through, the story that you wrote on our hearts and the story that you wrote on the lives of all the people that were touched by this. And we just ask, Father, that you would be glorified in this story and that you would use it and you would use those who are hearing this to 
use their lives for your honor and glory as well and use their families to bring you honor and glory and to to spread the gospel so father we're grateful we're grateful that you're so intimately involved in our lives and we praise you and we love you and we look forward to the next 20 years that you have for us whatever that might be lord we're so grateful for this family that you've knit together and we love you lord and we thank you in jesus name Amen. Thank you for being here for the 12th episode of the Oral History Podcast. We're going to turn a corner. We're going to do a few more things here, and we're going to take you into some other areas in the next few episodes, but we'll save all of that for the next time. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Oral History. This has been a production of Z Media and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. Join us again next time.